Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm Brendan Sinone. I got Josh Newberg, Chris Nee with me. We are in the midst of, like, I feel like the dog days of, of quarantining. There's not a whole lot of energy on the other side of the uh, the microphone right now. You guys, you good to go? You getting stir crazy? What's up? I think we're just getting geared up for this, Brendan. I don't think uh, this is like, this is midsummer. I think we're just in the beginning of it. Oh, you don't even think we're dog days? You think no, we're, the... we're not dog oh, days. God. Oh. I, don't, I don't know what to do there. I'm going to wrap elastic bands around my kids' waist and tie them to the house so they can just run around and I don't have to watch them constantly. <laughs> like those uh, like those leashes that people have for their kids? I, I'm, very, I'm very anti-kid leash, but just desperate times, desperate measures, you know. That's what what are you, uh, Chris, what are you teaching at Rona Elementary over there? What's your subject? <laughs> oh, let me tell you, when you're married to a teacher, oh right. boy. You know, it's like trying to do the dishwasher in a house with a wife. You just, you never can do it right. And now you try to teach with a wife who's a teacher. Oh my God. Good luck with that. And, and Brendan, um, have you guys like completely boxed yourself in and are you living in your bubble? We went to the doctor yesterday. Cause oh, I'm still, I'm still fairly convinced that I, that I have the, the Rona, but, uh, but that no, they probably wasn't the least bit still. like a Petri dish. Uh, yeah, there was a there was a it was kind of unsettling. There was an old man who uh, needed to be taken out by they had three EMTs, like four firefighters on a stretcher. It was unsettling. It seemed like overkill for the amount of people needed to take him out. And he seemed fine. I'm not sure why he was needed to go in there. But but, you know, you guys made fun of my my stomach cramps a week or so ago. And they think I do have a stomach virus. So uh, my if abdominal keep cramps going in enough. They're going to find something wrong with you. The doctor implied that my wife and I were playing with each other's feces, not our own, but each other's. Like, just throwing them back and forth. I mean, I don't know if she's playing. That was the visual I had. Or I, think it was I don't think she knows the Sinones very well. Are you sure the doctor actually told you that? Yeah. You want me to get Ashley in here? No, 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 no. no. We don't need to subject her to this. This is this is true. I think she would like the guest appearance. She's also going a little stir crazy. I think we both are because we're not feeling very well. But you know, quarantine. Uh, other than the the doctor's office and a trip to Publix, unfortunately, because uh, I had to get medicine. So I was in and out. But they're like people <laughs> coughing, and and I don't know why people just can't be damn adults and just not cough in public. Like get it together. Like keep it keep it keep it keep it tight for a little bit. Just don't cough in public, even if you have to. Let your eyes water up. Be a damn man. Stop coughing in public. Bullshit. Sorry, so I feel very strongly about this. Anyways, this, this is why I sleep till eight fifty a.m. Do we want to talk about 
what we want to talk about on the podcast, which is FSU adjusting to life. Uh, basically, the football program's on quarantine as well, just like all of us in our own personal lives. And we're all adjusting and obviously dealing with it in, in different ways. And Mike Norvell came on the uh, Jeff Cameron show, local uh, Tallahassee uh ESPN radio affiliate, and most of you probably know who Jeff is, but he was on he was on the Jeff Cameron show. Chris, do you want to give a quick recap of uh, of some of the things Norvell talked about in regards to I guess how FSU is dealing with one the truncated spring, and two now having players basically being remote. Yeah, I mean, he talked about a variety of subjects. He talked about how he and his coaching staff are handling things, which is remotely from at home for the most part that they're talking, they're taking uh, technology to new heights, to quote Mike Norvell. He spoke about how a majority of the players are not here at their home. So from a strength and conditioning standpoint, he's, you know, they as a staff are working with the guys to basically do the best they can do with what the means they have are at home. Because obviously gyms aren't open. The ability to gather and work with people privately really isn't popular right now for people to do some places have obviously banned the ability to go to a park and work out, which is something that I know was happening here in Tallahassee with some guys, um, not necessarily FSU guys, but you know, recruits and such football related young men. Um, some of the other stuff he talked about was, you know, three practices versus the full 15. He was really looking forward to getting back out there after spring break, after the first day in pads and just building and growing upon it. He didn't dwell on the negatives. You know, I think I, we've learned under Mike Norvell in the first three, four months of getting to know him as a coach and a person that he's a guy that's very much eyes ahead. And how do we do this? How do we go about executing a plan, getting to where we want to go? He doesn't dwell on the negative. And that's why it came across in the 13 to 15 minutes. He spoke to Jeff yesterday. Yeah. And I spoke to a couple sources uh, yesterday, knowing that Florida state was back off of spring break um, and yeah, they were back in the virtual office on Monday, kind of like what coach Norvell spoke about. Uh, I can confirm there was a 7am staff meeting. Uh, that meeting was, that meeting was actually all about academics and academics for the students. Um, the coaches, you know, they're going to be on these players about their academics, but I was told they got to figure out what to even be on them about. Meaning, um, they had to get acquainted with what a virtual classroom is um, what their expectations are, how they're being graded and all that sort of thing so that they could, uh, know what the players are up against and know what the players might need help with moving forward. So they spent about an hour on that. And then I think from about 9am until 11, uh, there was a, a, a second staff meeting. This is all taking place on zoom. And this one was all about football. And I'm told that guys were happy to be talking about ball again, um, they were going over some things from the spring, going things, going over some of the fundamentals of the offense and defense. But it was the first time that the entire staff or the offense and the defense, I don't know how they broke it up, uh, got on a call together and actually talked football. So a little bit of normalcy returning back to the football program. As much as possible right now. A, a few other things to go over. Uh, let's see. Coach Norvell said that most players are not around Tallahassee. Most went home. I do know of a few that are definitely still in town. And I think we've seen some on social media, like posting uh, video of them doing basically like home gym stuff. Uh, even with the strength coaches is all voluntary, but you see like, like rowdy dowdies, like rigging up, uh, rigging up some, 
weights with with cinder blocks. Uh, you see coaches doing pull ups on trees. So you know they're having to get. But it's keep players communicating. They want to use social media as a way to continue as a motivational tactic to keep guys. Uh, in touch with each other, make sure that they are still working out and do the things they have to do to the best of their ability. Uh, with recruiting, that's going to create some some interesting dynamics. And Josh, I, I see if we get a little bit more in depth on this in the next day or so. But yeah, I've I've been told that they're going to use FaceTime a lot. Um, players obviously have to call them. They're not allowed to call players because of the the dead period that that has been imposed. But uh. But there's ways around that you get players to, to call you. And, and this is about the staff trying to build a relationship in a, in a weird time. In some ways, guys, I kind of think on the recruiting trail, this may be beneficial in a weird way. I want to get your thoughts on this. But in the sense that, you know, guys who this staff was coming in late on a lot of top recruits just based on going from Memphis to Florida State. It's a new staff. You have to build up chemistry and relationships, something that Mike Norvell's talked about a ton. I think in a way this kind of puts you on even footing for some recruits, uh, guys who are trying to make decisions in the spring, no longer maybe trying to make decisions. This probably extends the recruiting calendar some. I do want to get Norvell's thoughts on that in the next week or so when we're able to talk to him. What what are your thoughts on on this having an impact on recruiting? Josh, I'll start with you. Yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about it from that point of view. Um, I had been kind of feeling like, recruiting's kind of stuck in neutral right now until they can prove on the field that they have a better, a better product. Um, yeah, relationships are important. So I do see what you're saying, but I think ultimately this team just wants to get to the season so that they can show what a Mike Norvell offense looks like, what a, a reorganized defense looks like and kind of put one foot in front of the other. And now we're kind of in limbo. Um, I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead and say anything's going to happen with the season itself. But I guess, yeah, this is a time where the coaches can can establish these relationships and sort of do some of these things like you're talking about. What about you, Chris? What do you think? I mean, from an FSU perspective, we've seen a healthy amount of targets put out top, you know, six, eight, tens, top five, things of that sort. So I think a lot of kids are kind of reaching that point of their recruitment. What it did change is a lot of kids just truthfully enjoy recruiting. Like they enjoy going out, taking visits, seeing a lot of different places meeting a lot of different people. And obviously with coronavirus, that has halted the ability to do any and all of that. So to some degree, I think there's a, a positive and a negative effect in recruiting for FSU. The positive is that some kids are probably going to wait because they do want to experience that. So they want to get on campuses down the road. Mm-hmm. So that gives FSU a little more time to stretch out the recruitment and maybe show something on the field as compared to a kid who does all of that in the spring and makes a summer decision. On the negative side, we've seen, for example, a guy like Kane Williams. He wanted to commit. He wanted to do so yesterday. He wanted to go to Alabama or LSU. They weren't ready to take him. So he put out a top three with those two in Texas A&M in it, essentially eliminating FSU, who was previously in his top five. Kane Williams was an individual who was supposed to be at FSU. What's today's date? 24th. He was supposed to be here, I believe, on Friday originally. It was a plan before everything went sideways. So that's an example of a guy that you probably were going to have at least be in the mix with and have somewhat a legitimate shot with because you were able to make the impression in person. That's now evaporated and gone away, and he's in a rush to do things. So if a kid's willing to wait, it's probably beneficial, but you're also going to see some that gravitate towards being in a rush and doing it. And the other thing you've seen is just I think it allows the staff, because they're not constantly hosting kids and 
doing all the things you would do during spring football, of coaching your actual team, hosting recruits, uh, the mixture of the day of going over what you did in practice versus hosting a recruit and you know showing around the university, rinse and repeat, doing it day after day. They've gotten back to evaluating more film. We've seen some new offers extended. So I think it's allowed them to stretch their board a little bit more earlier than they probably would have done. So this is probably more the process they would have gone through post-spring game going into the spring email period. Yeah. And the other, so I've also been talking to some coaches across the country, not just at Florida State, but kind of all over just to find out if anybody's doing anything different and cool. And it really doesn't sound like it. It sounds like everybody's doing individual or group FaceTimes. Um, they're all calling the same kids. I asked one coach, I said, what's the, like, how, how are the kids on the other line? Do these, you know, I imagine some of these top guys could be doing video conferencing from the moment they wake up until they go to sleep. If they answered all their calls. And he's like, you're, he's like, you're right. He's like, man, some of these kids, he's like, he's like, they, you can just tell they're over it. Like they're, they've picked up the phone six or seven times today. And you know, it's the same stuff with no ending in sight. And I think that was kind of the frustration from some of the coaches. It's like, all right, once we've touched base with these kids once, twice, three times, where are we going with this? Like, you don't know the next time they're going to be on campus. They say they want to come, but you can't really schedule it. Like they're kind of running into these like monotonous uh, dead ends with some of these recruits and it's still early. Um, But, you know, we'll find out who's talking to who. And, And over time, we might learn more about these recruits on who they are taking phone calls from and who they're not taking phone calls from. And I think that's why we've seen somewhat of a swell of top fives, eight, tens, mm-hmm. those things coming out. I think those are kids kind of sending a gentle message of, hey, I'm focused on these guys. If you're not one of these guys, yeah, please leave me alone. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that's we, we've really seen a swell of that happen in the last week. A lot of edits being dropped. You know, we've seen other kids, for example, I think Jakiah left left which today may unveiled a shortened list. I think I think he is definitely unveiling when he intends to commit. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as setting a date. So I think that's coming at noon today. So things like that, say Ryan's a guy we saw put out a top 10, Jared Wilson's a guy that we saw put out top what eight, um, you know, we've seen some top five, sixes mixed in there. So it's just kind of a, the period where it, it's weird. It's like everything got either forces slow down drastically or speed up drastically, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's going to speed up to the point where you see a lot of commitments happening. Too many schools want to see kids either in person or during the spring eval period or at their camps in June before they want to take a commitment. I think that's going to cause a lot of Kane Williams type situations where a kid wants to pull the trigger and schools are like, nah, you know, give us a minute. We'd like to see a little bit more, get to know a little bit more about you. You know, in Kane Williams example, he's a safety with a linebacker body type developing. So I think schools want to see where does he ultimately play? So there's still that part of the recruiting process that just can't be done in current circumstances. And until we know that current circumstances aren't the current circumstances, it's going to kind of halt things to a grind. So I think this is going to burn out after a little while and you're going to see schools essentially tell kids, Hey, let's talk once a week, hit me up whatever day works best for you at this time. We'll talk. And I know that's something that FSU tries to do with underclassmen of developing a uh, repetition of weekend week out. If we're going to talk to this kid this day at this time. And if, that kid initiates contact, then you know he legitimately has interest in talking to you. I think that's something we'll probably see develop from an FSU perspective in dealing with 2021 kids. 
Chris, you alluded to uh, some some lists being dropped. Uh, FSU is in the mix for some of these. You know, some of these lists are including Florida State. Uh, do you want to go over that real quick? Some of the guys who've mentioned FSU, either top ten, top eight, top five, whatever it may be, in the last few days. Yeah, Sage Ryan yesterday put out top ten. He's a Louisiana kid. He was supposed to visit this week. Obviously, that didn't happen. He's related to the Falks. Most people think he's going to end up at LSU, but he's a super talented athlete. He's played running back slot, uh, DB, outside linebacker against certain types of teams. He can just do a little bit of everything. Um, I'll let Josh take the next guy. Jared Wilson dropped the top eight. I think that was on the 21st. So that would have been, what, Sunday? Or my days are running together. I'm sorry. That would have been Saturday. Month? Yeah, the, the, We've lost all form of actual weekdays. The fact that we never <laughs> leave our honest. house. But every day is just the same. Every day is like a Tuesday. Like Ashley, there is no Ashley, anymore. <laughs> no, my my wife woke up thinking today was Saturday. She's like, I don't think I have to work today. I'm like, no, it's Wednesday. Turns out it's Tuesday. We we're both way off. Yeah, they all they're all the same at this point. Uh, so yeah, Jared dropped a top eight somewhere around the weekend. The actual weekend. And uh, Josh talked to him a little bit about FSU. He's a relationship-based kid, but I'll let Josh take that and run with it. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, he's a he's a he's definitely a top target for Florida State. Um, I think this one's really coming down to Florida State, Georgia, and Florida. Um, I think those are the three teams. I'm told North Carolina is not really in it. Arkansas is not really in it. Right now, I don't think he's... He's a take for Clemson. I think they're taking one more offensive lineman. And I just don't think it's going to be him. Um, Auburn and LSU, uh, they're in the mix, but I think Florida, Georgia, and Florida state are the three teams to focus on right now. Great relationship with Alex Atkins. That's where it's at for FSU. Um, I spoke to Wilson the following day or, or that evening after he dropped his, his top eight. And he just said that, you know, he likes Alex's story. Um, he knows that, you know, he, he comes from a smaller upbringing, um, through the coaching ranks. And now he's at this place like Florida state, but I think he just really connects with them, uh, and, you, and you you can understand that when you talk to him. He's going to be a tough battle. I think he's one of the top offensive linemen on Florida State's board right now that they're in the mix with, even though he's at a, a guard position. Talent wise, he's he's just he's one of the best that they're that they're legitimately in it for right now. So this is an important recruitment. It's not going to be easy for Florida State to land him. They are battling some tough programs. But they're right now, you know, probably in that top three for him if if it were a real top three. But he's got a top eight right now. And he also and told me that he has no decision date in, in sight. One thing to remember is FSU is going to have to win by relationships right now because the product isn't good enough. So it, relationships are kind of weird. That's going to be an example of a kid that if he remains in regular contact with FSU and develops that bond further, then it's a positive for them. But the fact they can't have that face-to-face interaction in person, that's kind of a hindrance to them. Because he is a young man who probably would have come back potentially for like the spring game, maybe again in the summer. You keep stacking those visits on top of each other. You start feeling real good about it. That's now been stymied, and you can't do that. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch how that transpires. I'm not going to try to act like I can predict it, but I am interested to see. Uh, Some other top list, 2022 cornerback Jaheim Singletary from Jacksonville. He put out top six. FSU was in it. He visited FSU right before the stoppage. Uh, talented offensive lineman, Amarius Mims. He put out a top list. FSU was in it, but it really doesn't matter. He's going somewhere in the SEC right now. Probably Georgia or Alabama. I would lean towards Georgia personally. Um, FSU made the top eight for Quentin Somerville, one of the better defensive ends in the mm-hmm. country. He's actually a guy they are in it. Kenny Dillingham and him have a good relationship. 
He was supposed to visit FSU for the spring game. Obviously, that's now off until he's able to visit. FSU can't be a true contender, but they are in it. His list is interesting. It included New Mexico, Vanderbilt. They were both in it. It's Arizona State, Georgia, Michigan, New Mexico, Utah, Vanderbilt, Washington, and FSU. Truthfully, I know he likes Georgia a lot. I know Michigan's been in a long time. But he feels like a kid who's kind of open to whatever school impresses him the most in person. So he's going to be a fun recruitment to kind of keep up with. Derek Edwards, Miami defensive back. He put out top 10 about 10 days ago now. FSU's a school he loves. If FSU green-lighted him, I think he'd end up in the class pretty easily. We mm-hmm. shall see if that's the case. Uh, Victory Vodka. I don't know it's actually Vodka, but I'm going to call it Vodka. I think it's Vika Vodka. I'm not sure. Defensive tackle, he put out a top five about 11 days ago. FSU's in it, along with Florida, Michigan, Oregon, Texas, A&M. He's a kid that had all these officials mapped out for the next couple months. I think he was supposed to start in April with a couple and then maybe a couple more in the summer. He had to schedule FSU still. He was going to be based off of those visits, making a decision. There's some people that think Oregon being the West Coast school that made the cut is a school that's in a good position with him. I don't truthfully know enough about his recruitment hands-on to tell you that. I do know that Oregon was originally scheduled as his last official. That's always something to keep an eye on. And then uh, the only other one I can think of is Ricky Parks put out top five talented running back. FSU's in it. It's Sam, Iowa, Pitt, Utah, and West Virginia. I've tried to follow up with Ricky on why FSU made the list beyond what he told us when he took his visit in, I want to say, late January, early February. Haven't been able to get that from him. If I do, we'll share it. Um, you know, he, he liked the staff at FSU. He liked Coach Johnson. We know that. He likes what they want to do with running the ball. That appealed to him. It's an in-state thing for him, but I don't get the feeling he's a kid that's going to be latched to a chain and want to stay close to home. I think he's completely comfortable going to an Iowa or even a Utah without thinking twice about it. So that's a rundown of some of the guys. I know I've put up short in the list lately that FSU did make the list. Obviously, we've seen others like Kane Williams, for example, where FSU did not make the list. So we're starting to get a little better feel for who's actually really on the board versus who is taking themselves off the board. Do we do we have an idea of the guys who we knew? Chris, you mentioned the I could blanking on the name, the linebacker safety kid that put out the top three uh, guys who were going to visit Florida State coming up this spring that we confirmed that no longer are like Amarius Mims is one. I think that, that Zach confirmed uh, anyone yeah, else even, even transfer prospects. Kane Williams was supposed to, Sage Ryan was supposed to, um, uh, Quentin Somerville for a spring game was supposed to. I mean, there's several that had intended or made plans or told there us of specific dates who we're now going to have to see. A kid like Sage Ryan, you know, if he sticks with that top 10, FSU will probably eventually get a visit from him. But, right. you know, if he's at a top 10 now, is he going to be at a top five in another month? Is FSU going to make that cut without a visit? Probably not. You know LSU is. You know some of the other elites are probably going to make it before FSU makes it right now. So that's the conundrum. And just to add on to uh, I'm in for I learned it right while the coronavirus lockdown stuff was going on. But his official visit was scheduled for April 10 through 12. Um, he's, he's a guy that Florida State wanted to see in person, get on campus and all that. He's really the top transfer target right now that's out there that they're communicating with. I'll also say that there has been some communication between Hampton offensive tackle Keldrick Wilson. Um, he's in the transfer portal and he's a six foot five, 300 pound offensive tackle. I'm not going to go as far to say that 
that you know he's a target of Florida State's, but he's a guy that's on the radar. And I think he probably would have visited by now, you know, come in for spring practice, something like that, had there been an opening for him to do that. So we'll see what happens with Keldrick Wilson when when things finally stabilize and visits go and, you know, recruiting's back to normal. Justice Reed is is another guy that uh, Josh had mentioned that he had planned to make an unofficial. I think literally the first day that FSU kind of stopped everything, and then he had an official schedule for down the road. But, you know, you're talking about a seven-year veteran who at this point may have to make a decision, you know, between like a VTech and FSU and a couple of others without stepping on campus at any Or maybe just getting a job. (laughs) <laughs> might have to do that. Uh, that that may not be so easy to do right now josh uh, but the the actual transfer market you know that was so new for us last year and now this whole dynamic is completely different again i'm interested to see what the timeline is for these guys who are graduate transfers that were maybe waiting throughout the spring to go take visits like chris said guys may have to be forced to commit without actually stepping foot on campus potentially like that's a that's a real thing and even i wonder how this not having a spring impacts a transfer portal guys don't really know where they stand in the pecking order with their respective teams. So are more guys going to go in it or less going to go? Like it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, uh, else? Oh, go ahead, Chris. I, I was going to add to your point that I, you know, I'm obviously a bit of a hoop head. I love my hoops and Evan Daniels who works for us has been just kicking ass and taking names and things shut down as far as doing interviews. He's interviewed, seven or eight college head coaches, including, you know, Coach K, Coach Azo, or a couple of them. And then he's done a lot of stuff on kids either declaring to go pro or going into the transfer market. And uh, it's been interesting And with all three of those types of people he's talked to with coaches. They're talking about how difficult it is to do this job without the eval period, the bringing kids in for official visits, all of that. Because obviously with hoops, you're only taking in a given year probably three to five most years and you got to kind of nail it. If you miss on a couple of those, you're hindering yourself for at least a foreseeable future for a year or two because you're going to have some dead weight on your roster that's not going to help you. And then for the uh, kids deciding to go pro, which we'll get to one for FSU here coming up, but it, it's an interesting dynamic if you're not a kid that feels like you're on real solid footing. Most of the kids we've seen declare so far are thought of as lottery to mid-first-round talents. Trey Jones of Dukes, and you know, one who's thought of as a first-round talent, Anthony Edwards has declared he's thought of as a top pick, for example. And then Devin Vassell, who declared from FSU, he's thought of as a guy around the middle of the first round. So you're seeing guys that are doing it with solid footing, not so much the guys that have to kind of climb the ladder and improve their stock in the pre-draft process. Because, hell, I mean, the NBA is talking about not knowing if there's going to be any kind of pre-draft process. They don't know if there's going to be combines. They don't know if there's going to be in-person evaluations. They don't know if they're going to be able to bring kids in for workouts or heck even physicals, for example. So it's, I think it's going to cause a lot of kids to be tentative on what they do compared to recent years where there's been, you know, for 60 some odd draft picks, there's been 150 college kids available. I don't think we're going to see that swell this year. I think you're going to see more kids stick, but that's probably going to flood the transfer market a little bit more because kids are going to want to find a new place to show their skills for one year. If they're able to make the immediate playing time transfer, and the issue there, uh, I think it was Jordan Bruner, the Yale Ford transfer, who's a pretty talented kid. FSU is among the many schools in the pursuit of him. He did a Q&A, I want to say, with our Duke site, and he was literally asked, you might have to make this decision without actually seeing any of these schools as a visitor. And his answer was fairly simple of a, yeah, that might actually end up being the case. 
that's just kind of crazy to think of where you think of a visit being such an essential part of the recruiting process, whether it's high school transfer, grad transfer, it doesn't matter. A visit gives the in-person, the talking, the get a feel for it. Even if a kid thinks he's going there, he usually wants to take the visit to drive the point home or the school feels like they need to have the visit to have a chance to get a kid. That may not exist in this dynamic of a compressed schedule of kids trying to figure out where they're going to be when the next fall semester or the summer semester for some of these schools roll around. But then again, you know, new times, different rules. FSU right now, when the start of the summer semester happens, they're still going to be doing school online. Now, that's for the start, and I want to say it's May. But when they roll around to June, that mid-June enrollment, when a lot of football players come in, for example, that's still kind of up in the air on whether they're going to resume campus life or not. And obviously, that depends on so many factors that we don't have enough time on this podcast to talk about. But I think that's going to greatly influence a lot of decisions made by kids on whether to stay, go pro, or transfer. And then when they make those decisions, it's super complicated. I just, it's all very interesting. It's all playing out in real time. And I don't think anybody has real good answers on how it's going to play out. But I think it is going to cause kids that are somewhat indecisive who think they can maybe improve their stock one way or the other to be a little bit more decisive on sticking with their solid footing that they currently have. Josh, do you you find it interesting that it's in the midst of a pandemic, it's a crisis, it feels apocalyptic in some parts of the world where like people are fighting over toilet paper? Or when I talk to you. Or when you talk to me because it's always an apocalypse in my mind. Chrisney is carrying us on the bench. Like he is killing it on podcast material uh, yeah, just let him go. Irony. Don't interrupt him. He'll just he'll take over and just do the whole show by himself. I, I'm here for it. I think I we should it. just put a like a microphone around Chris and let him just share his thoughts for one day. Uh, like premium content. What if, what if we did that? What if we just put a mic in front of him and let him talk basketball? The people want their basketball only podcast. This is it. One idea. I found I found with the fact that I don't have to drive to and from school twice a day to take my kids there and pick them up and uh, drive to campus and back a couple times and run random errands that I have a lot more free time. So I'm able to read a lot more. And I actually really like reading. But at this whole new like five to seven hours of free time per day, it's really set me free. It's allowed me to spread my wings, boys. I'm sorry. This is well, a maybe new we meme. can do more. Maybe we can do more podcasts to get you away from your kids because it could be a good excuse for you to lock yourself in a room for an hour. You take that up with the wife, Josh. You let me know what she tells you. <laughs> Chris, I pick Chris, my battles wisely with her. Yeah, I don't want to cross Caressa. Oh God, is she listening? She's going to listen to this, isn't she? And threaten yep, me again. You're going to get text. Again, I'll just start. I'll just start. Call, I'll just start coughing. She knows where you live, Sinone. She knows where you live. It's I'd not like all to, that socially distant either. I like to picture Chris locked up in his office talking like he's recording a podcast, but we really stopped recording like 30 minutes previously. And he's just, just trying to buy some time. Uh, How long can I get away with this? Do you guys want to know what I'm doing with my free time? No, you're at the doctor's Marian? office. Uh, Chris, let's talk about Devin Vassell news. Yep. Uh, you know, yesterday, early morning, he decided to announce that he's going to enter the NBA draft. He has not said whether or not he hired an agent, but the expectation is that he's definitely staying in. Truthfully, it's pretty sensible on his part. He's projected right now. I think ESPN's most recent draft in February had him as a number 18 pick. He's a guy that probably has a chance of elevating himself to right at that fringe of the end of the lottery, which is, you know, top 15, just in front of top 15. 
So he, he's going to get good money. He's a guy that, you know, you look at what he did. He elevated his game a great deal from year one, year two. I think we all knew in year one, those of us who watch basketball around this program constantly, that that kid had some moxie to him. He knew what he was doing. He was a stone-cold killer from a shooting perspective. Uh, you know, I like to jokingly call him the assassin because he knew he was going to hit the three that killed the other team. VTech last year, season one for him, is a great example of that. The fact that they trusted him with such a shot just kind of shows what the staff thought of him. Here's what I know about Devin. Pro, pro, day one, walked in, awesome kid, you know, got a very level head on his shoulders. Um, he, he's just respectful. He works his backside off. He loves being coached. He's a sponge. He's a guy that very much enjoys getting in the gym and working on a different skill or working on something different. You know, last year he was such a spot shooter. He was get to a spot, get the pass, knock it down. That's what he did. This past season he became a guy that teams forced him off his spot. So he had to develop dribble, hit the mid-range, work to the rim, rebound effectively. He led FSU in rebounding this year. Uh, still be that knockdown shooter when the opportunities presented themselves, but teams were scheming against him to take it away. All he did was go out and lead FSU as their leading scorer this year. He really took off. He's an awesome player. I think he's going to have a very successful NBA career. I think he's a kid that's best basketball is still ahead of him. He's very, very good at this point. I would have loved to have him for another year, but I'm not the least bit shocked that he decided to go pro towards the middle of the year. Um, when you're sitting on press row and you're surrounded by a healthy amount of NBA scouts and they just kind of keep oohing and on at this guy, streaking up and down the court, throwing it down, playing defense, getting passing lanes, blocking shots, rebounding, throwing out a couple assists, knocking out shots from all three levels. You, you start realizing, well, hell, it's been fun. Like you're not going to be able to keep this one like Pat Williams. It's going to be interesting. I still think he may go pro. He's a guy that based alone on skill probably would be a first round pick easily. But Pat Williams is the kind of guy that I think those of us who are basketball junkies understand he's super talented and athletically he's as special as it come. But he didn't have as many moments where you just constantly were like, oh, man, obviously he had that dunk late in the year. That was great. And he had other games, Western, uh, I think it was Western Carolina. He had the nine points down the stretch that helped him win. So he had moments, but they weren't night in, night out like it became with Devin. I think Pat's the kind of guy that if he does come back and he's a little more force-fed, a little bit more of a starter with starter minutes, you know, starter in a Leonard Hamilton system is kind of meaningless. Still, there's more minutes incorporated with that. I think he's a guy that next year you could see his stock super elevate to a higher level, potentially being a lottery pick, even a top lottery pick. And I, I think that that's the question Pat's probably asking himself right now is, do I go and take the money I can get this year? Or do I wait and you know come back and try to make a tournament run with a talented team that's returning with guys like Scotty Barnes and Dar Calhoun coming in and possibly other additions? Or do I you know go pro and get money now versus stay, come back and elevate my status a little bit? But obviously, there's always some form of uh, concern over returning just because of potential of an injury or a season going sideways or God knows with the new circumstances season not happening, season being delayed, you know, season not ending as you would hope. There's so many unknowns that I think it's interesting for Pat. Last I heard with Pat, Stone Town hanging out with the players. He's going to uh he's talking with the coaches, his parents, uh people from his background, like AA hoops and such, to make a decision, but no decision has been made. Um with Devin it was kind of clear middle of the year he's probably gonna do it. 
at the end of the year, not much of a swoon, but his the flame got a little less hot as it was in the middle of the year. I think made people think he may think twice. I thought pretty much with a good tournament run, there was no doubt Devin was going. I thought even without a good tournament run, Devin still probably was going. So I wasn't too surprised by yesterday's decision. You know, Devin put out a really classy quote, threw it back to the coaching staff saying, great job helping me develop. And it's this is a great place for NBA level guys or guys who desire to be in the NBA to come and sharpen their skills and then go pro. Coach Hamilton, who every early departure he's had to the NBA draft has been drafted. He put out a classy quote about it, like you would expect from Leonard. So good for Devin, tough for the program. They'll be fine. They got good talent coming in. Now we're on Pat Williams' watch. Ham keeps taking top 200 recruits and turning them into top 20 draft picks. It's, it's impressive. Well, I've told you guys this, and I've probably even mentioned it in the past when we talked about Devin. I remember when they got Devin, and at the time he had like UNF, Stetson, not many others. And then UCLA and Texas Tech and a couple others came along down the road. But initially when FSU got on him, when they offered him, his offer list did not yell ACC player. But I remember talking to somebody when they offered him, and they're like, his best days are ahead of him. And the funny thing is the, this – was basically his last two years of high school. Every time he checked in on Devin, he was better than he was previously. And that continued in college and it did it exponentially. He got drastically better from his junior to a senior year of high school, senior year to freshman year of college, freshman year, sophomore year of college. He continues that climb. It's going to be pretty unbelievable to watch what he can do in the league. Obviously he needs to land with the right team that likes to coach up their guys. Hopefully he has a good G league affiliate where he can sharpen his skills and get a little more playing time as he grows up the bench. Um, but he's a dude that can play ball and he likes playing ball. He likes taking the coaching. He, he's got a good personality, both as a person and a player to become a guy who can be well molded into a top tier talent. I think Chris has a basketball only podcast in him and just him alone. I could, I could run point guard and throw you the ball, but let you, uh, let you kind of work with it. Chris, what are your thoughts? We, we got, we, we got time. We can get Shem in on it. I believe Shem's still in town doing nothing pretty bored all right all right let's well let's not hey i don't want to i don't want to promise something and then not deliver it but maybe that's something that we can we can work on Uh, you're gonna put me in my sad place of not being able to watch this team in the tournament this year though that was i know that was that was eating at you for for a little bit uh yeah i know dude um all right i'm trying to think if there's anything else i know we asked for some podcast ideas josh put that on the board the other day well well, go ahead, One Chris. thing we glanced over was uh, Chad Masco's decommitment, which I think oh, kind of speaks yeah. to, to the fact that we find it fairly uh, fully I, expected and fairly I, insignificant. It's probably I, the best way I, I can assume, put it. I assumed this was going to happen, uh, and then it happened. I don't know why that story did crazy traffic. Uh, I guess anytime a quarterback is involved. But, yeah, I, I think all three of us were kind of expecting that to be inevitable, just weren't really sure when. Yeah, he, he wasn't this guy's, this staff's guy. He wasn't Kenny Dillingham's guy. They they have different things they want in quarterbacks. They have different prospects they're looking at. It was simple as that. I mean, Chad's a nice kid. He's a hard worker. He's a guy that they took uh, early on in the last staff. And, you know, they had him at camp. They had worked him out. And then he didn't really do much last high school season in part because he was injured. So I wasn't surprised in the least that they dropped him for lack of well, a better term. They weren't going to, they didn't, they didn't drop him. They were going to keep him on until the summer and wait and see, you know, they wanted to get him in camp, obviously to see him in person and 
give him give him an opportunity to throw and you know work out in front of the staff in person. I don't I don't think this was a move that the staff made. Um, Masco himself could have got those vibes and and decided to open it up. You know, it could have been a situation like that. But it's too early. It's it's you know for them to kind of push him out of the class. He's a 2022 prospect. And they wanted to see him work out this summer. So I don't think it was a situation where FSU told him to take a hike, but Masco Price saw the writing on the wall. I think he would have had to blow their socks off to stay in their class. So I, I, just he knowing did. what they're looking for at that position, I don't think he's that guy for them. This isn't the first guy that they've kind of lukewarmed. I don't know if ghosted is in the right way, but but made it pretty clear that it's okay to look at other directions. They did it for the the 2021 running back from uh, from the 321 area, and then and Keyshawn then Melvin Spencer. Keyshawn Spencer and Melvin Jordan linebacker too, kind of similar boat, right? So yeah, it, are, are there any underclassmen who were committed to the previous staff that are now committed to Florida State, or was was Chad the last one? Uh, baby Fuller to Quavo, uh, Quavo. Um, but it's a little bit more complicated. That plays out. Yeah, there's family ties there that make it a little more of a difficult situation. So. We'll see how that one plays out, but I don't think he's an FSU level talent. I don't hesitate to say that he was a guy taken because of the family ties, but that's it. The fact that we forgot about that, I forgot about Chad Masco and Josh, when we were talking about the script didn't remember it either. Uh, and that it was just a footnote for you, Chris is probably pretty telling of, of how we viewed that, that move. So, um, all right. I think that's everything for right now. Like I said a little earlier, Josh had posted some podcast topics on the message board or asking for podcast topics. We've got some really great suggestions. Keep those coming in that thread on Knowles247.com. I think that's given us some some ideas of, of how to kind of tweak those and, and make it work in a way that, that fits our strengths and what we can do to kind of fill your guys' time up during a, a period of time where there's a lot of, a lot of free time. The only other thing I can think of is I asked for some questions just for this podcast. I did it last minute. We only got two of them, uh, and we touched on one of those topics extensively uh, beforehand. And the other one, I don't know what the stipend deal is with the NCAA right now. We can ask and, and look around for that, but just not enough time to research that. So anything else, fellas, before I wrap up? Nope. Nope. All right. For Chris Nee, Josh Newberg, I'm Brendan Sinone. Uh, this is On the Bench. You guys stay safe out there. We'll talk to you in a couple days.